0: title of the series, Pray, Craving Something More, Uh, in in typical, I guess, Jason fashion. I'm going to flip things around here for a second. Hey, we just sang this uh, bridge here. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. We sang that as a church. Uh, I talked about this a little bit. When we do worship, we're actually surrendering our own words, and in unison together, singing the words that we put on the screen. So, as a corporate uh, activity, we're uniting our words, and and then singing praise to the Lord. That's that's part of it. It's, it's it's called submitting. You're submitting to what we tell you to to sing. But the idea is that we're singing together. So we just sang this this morning. This morning, we are going to talk about um, expectation within prayer. Uh, We'll do a little recap of last week, but we're going to talk about expectation. And the idea is that we need to move from duty to expectation when we pray. So, a lot of times when we pray, we just do it because we're supposed to do it, it's the Christian thing to do. It, in our denomination, we have a core value that uh, says the primary work of God's people is prayer. And many times, it just becomes a job to us that we have to put our time in. We've got to put the prayer time in. I want to connect this back to this uh, bridge that we sang. If we sing this, these words, and believe these words... When we sing them, if we truly, if we truly say we believe there is no wall, shadow, lie that you won't destroy, kick down, or climb over to come after me, if you believe that, what do you expect to happen when you pray? Do you see the disconnect If you truly believe this, when you pray, the expectations need to be through the moon. If Jesus is going to do this, if he is going to climb and knock down a wall and tear down every lie, and you believe that, when you pray, are you praying with expectation Are you praying with power? Are you praying with the authority of the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you to expect Him to do the things that He says He's going to do? And this is where I think, as Christian people, we get a little goofy, and we revert from this Spirit-filled life back to this duty-filled life this uh, activity-filled life, this uh, responsibility, this this is just what we do as Christian people. We show up and go to church. We bow our heads and pray. We do these particular things because this is what Christians do. And I put this picture up last week to say this is what we look at. When we think of prayer, These are this is the image that we have. And it, I'm building the premise or... Trying to instill the premise or the want or the belief that there's something more. There's something more about this wonderful walk with Jesus that we have. There's something more. And if there is something more, I want you to want it. To crave it. To desire it. To say there's something more and I'm going to want that more I don't want this I don't want you to lose this this concept that God is going to extreme measures in order to interact with you and to provide for you and to love you and to care for you that you make God a joke when you pray in weakness you are praying to the creator of the heavens and earth and when you do it out of duty, what do you? You're limiting his ability to do things by your own belief. Do you make that connection? You tracking with me? We can't sing this or read scriptures that say he'll do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine, and believe in those things, and not pray with expectation and power. It is theologically horrible of us to do it like that. We just can't do that. So we're not going to. Now, I don't want us to be on prayer police <laughs> and start to irritate each other and interrupt each and say, whoa, 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 you're not praying with enough power and authority there. No, but I want, to create, I want us to create a culture And to build within us that when we pray, we're praying to the maker of heavens and earth. We pray expecting God to do something. When we show up to church, we're expecting God to be here and meet him face to face. When we go into our quiet time, our devotional life, or have family worship time, or whatever we're doing that's interacting with the king of the universe, Jesus, we are expecting something to happen. We're not entering into it just going, yeah, this is just the responsibility I'm supposed to have. And and slogging through it, which we tend to do, right? To show up, it's my obligation, I have this, I'm just supposed to do it. Do not diminish God's activity in your life and his effort in your life and his spirit dwelling in you by just going through the motions. So that's I think the genesis of where I'm coming from with this idea on prayer. Pray, crave something more. Today we're going to take communion. And so I have for you a one-page message. <laughs> If you haven't noticed, I don't spend a lot of time behind the lectern, so pages mean nothing to me. Take out your bulletin insert. We're going to recap last week. Pray, craving something more. I had, we had this big idea, and I actually I didn't, I didn't finish the thought for you last week. I just We were just going, and then I realized what time it was, and we ended. So the idea last week is, is to experience something more in prayer. When we pray, the process needs to be reframed. And so I put this picture up that I found in our church, which is a beautiful picture of, of how we think about prayer, and we think head bowed, hands closed, and, and, and this is what we think, right? And this is how we do it. And, and I said, let's reframe it a little bit to give us permission to experience something a little bit deeper, a little bit uh, more for each one of us and corporately. So the first thing I said, if you remember last week, by reframing it, we're going to be, the key, key ingredient is, is seeking. We have to be seeking the Lord. We've got to be really going after God. And, and I used uh, the Mars Hill sermon from Paul from uh, Acts uh, 17, is that right? And Acts 17, and how, how Paul said if you were just to grope, if you were just to grope and seek God, you will find him. And that we create these idols and we create all these different ways of worship. And what we do is we just kind of go through the motions. And sure, religious people do religious activity. And what we really need to do is get, be done with the religious activity And I was kind of making an inference that this is just activity and get back to seeking or groping or really longing to experience a deeper thing from God. So we have to seek after him. And the next thing I did is is I, I introduced the idea of the tabernacle, that God will dwell with us, that Jesus dwells with us. And we create a framework. He created a temple. And we put this frame around the picture and we said, this framework that God is going to dwell with us, and we, and we went to Exodus and we looked at, at that passage where he said, I'm going to come dwell with you, and then I went to Ephesians and said, Jesus, is, the Spirit of God is dwelling in you, and we are the tabernacle. We are, he is in us. We are his temple. And then when the people of God come together, they, the temple is here and he is with us now. So when we're seeking him and he's dwelling with us, and the whole point is that to arrive at pr- the presence of God. And that prayer begins and ends with the presence of God. It's not about the activity or seeking alone. It's not about the temple and the structure alone. It, what it does is it makes you get to the place to where you are in his presence and you're, and you're saturated by his presence. That prayer starts there and it finishes there. And this is what I didn't actually say last week um, it was at the end of the notes, it said, ha- I said, having a habitable environment for Jesus to dwell will shape your seeking for something more in prayer. There's a lot of ways you can begin to apply that to your own life. How do we create environments at the church that are more habitable for the Spirit of God to dwell here so that when we seek Him, Prayer, he's there. And we're not quenching him or pushing him out. How are we creating conversations amongst God's people that are inviting the Spirit of God in here? To be a part of our congregation, a part of our life, a part of our activity and what we do? Are we individually in our own homes, in our house, in, in our houses, in our own walks of the Lord, creating a space that's habitable for God to dwell in. I can answer some of those things corporately. I can answer some of those things as I get to know you and and challenge you uh, in in a discipleship way. But I I, I know that I think what God's wanting to do with us is each examine ourselves, and then as, as households begin to wrestle that, and then as a church, as the leaders begin to approach Work that we're, we're going to create a place that's habitable, that the spirit of God can dwell and thrive here. And that brings us. Um, oh, and then I we did kind of a. I just reminder we did this thing where I had people come up while while I was, I was sharing or talking or whatever this part is. And had you write on this prayer reframing what prayer is, or what, what when you think of prayer, what do you think? Well, we're going to have a new exercise. I'm going to give you permission to do today. You see our white pieces of paper on the board up here, on the wall on the, on the block. I have some dry erase right here. Today's about expectation, moving from duty to expectation in our prayer life. That we're not just praying for the sake of praying because it's what we're supposed to do, but we're praying with power and authority, expecting God to move. What I'm going to invite you to do while I speak is to begin to write on these pieces of paper what you expect God to do. That's some bold stuff. Lord, I expect you to do blank. Now, before that happens, let me read kind of our text for this morning. Turn with me to John 14. So John 14, 1 through 14. Listen to the word of God. Listen to Jesus talk to his disciples. Actually, let's frame it that way. Again, this is Jesus communicating to his best friends. This is the Son of God who was tabernacled amongst us, sent to dwell amongst us, communicating, speaking life and truth into the 12 guys plus probably a handful of women plus probably another little group of the people he loved the most. Here's what he says to them. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me? Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells, who tabernacles in me, does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Truly Truly, I say to you, now listen to this crazy thing. Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do. Because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. That... The Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That's crazy! That's insane! Things to say to a group of people. If you ask it in my name, I'll do it! That's it. See, when we go to pray... We oftentimes give God the way out. Say, if it's in your will, or uh, Lord, I hope, or please. I'm not judging the way that we do that. I, I think in some ways we're protecting our soul. We're protecting our heart. We're protecting like our kind of our discomfort with actually talking to the creator of the heavens and the earth, right? We're like going, hey, God, you know, do this. That feels wrong in some ways, right? Like we feel a little weird saying those particular types of things. Jesus is talking to his beloved, to the ones he's trained and spent the most time with, and he's saying these things. He's saying them to, him, to them, saying, ask. I'll do it. Ask in my name. I promise I'll do it. Do you expect God to do it when you pray? Do we need to create an atmosphere of expectancy, faith, an atmosphere of faith, an atmosphere of hunger for God to move in miraculous power? See, in a culture where the spiritual realm is is ignored, poo-pooed, or said doesn't exist, or people are just anti-God... The miraculous power of God's activity amongst his people will be a beacon of hope, of light, of people we people will be drawn to that power like a moth to light. And as God's people, why are we not praying to that? Why are we not praying with expectancy in that particular way? Because oh it's so hard to like go, I want this, but at the same time, the regulator within the human side of me says, eh, I don't know if I can. It's a fight to pray that way, to a prayer, a prayer life, a prayer environment, a prayer experience that catalyzes a movement of the gospel, operates, lives, practices comfortably in the supernatural, expecting signs and wonders. Expecting God to move, expecting healing, expecting prophecy, expecting crazy things of God to happen. Dealing with spiritual warfare, knowing how to experience the manifestations of the Holy Spirit. We're a little fearful of that because it's unknown and a little scary at times. Whatever you ask in my name, this will do, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the sun. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. So here's the big idea. The entire capsule of this message. Expectations in prayer, this is in your bulletin, expectations in prayer have everything to do with alignment and very little to do with the outcome. Expectations in prayer have everything to do with alignment and very little to to do with outcomes? Do you understand the distinction? Now, I want to give you freedom to start writing on these boards here, because I just got going. Everybody's kind of, we lost focus of that. What do you expect from God? What do you expect from God? See, here's how we pray. We pray to the outcomes. We pray for the outcomes. And then, because it feels weird to pray to an outcome, we give give permission, if it's in your will. uh, We give permission, like, if it, if, Lord, please, we get permission like this, This, like, like last week I said, like the shopping list, because the shopping list is the outcomes. But what really God is wanting to you to do is he's wanting you to be aligned, aligned with him. And when you're in alignment with God, when you're in alignment with the spirit of God, the power and authority comes, right? And you're not disappointed with the outcome because you're not focused on the outcome. You're focused and this is last week, you're focused on the presence. Because prayer starts and stops with the presence of God. When He's dwelling in you, and and you are dwelling with Him, and you you have this relationship with Him, this deep-rooted relationship. The presence is all that matters. That's all that matters. The joy of the Lord is there. The fruit of the Spirit is there. The the contentment with where you are is there. The outcome is the icing on the cake. And that is the glory of the Lord. He gets to demonstrate his, his amazing power when the outcome comes. Chuck Swindoll said, there are three answers to prayer. Yes, no, and grow. Yes, no, and grow. I'm saying... And I'm not smarter than Chuck, and I'm not better than him, but I'm saying I don't want us to focus on the outcomes. I want us to focus on being aligned, to being united, to being connected in a deep way. Because when the expectation is about alignment, the outcome means nothing, because you're united with Christ and his spirit is dwelling. Many times we talk about things that we struggle with in our faith life, right? We struggle with uh, evangelizing. We struggle with sharing our faith. We struggle with being a witness. We struggle with with discipling people. We just struggle with like interceding on other people's behalf. We struggle in our prayer life. We struggle with uh, deep uh, study time and like focusing on the word. And, and I mean, there's all, everybody has their like, here's the thing that trips me up when I pray. Or here's the thing that trips me up when I'm living my spiritual life. And and here's the the kicker is, is is Jesus says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's Acts 1:8 paraphrased. The outcome is to be the witness, right? But the power is the alignment. We don't have to worry about what the witness looks like because if we're aligned with the Spirit of God, the witness just comes. You will be my witness when the power of the Spirit is in you. So when we begin to pray with expectation, we're praying in an alignment. Sure, we're giving our requests to God. We're saying, God, hear us. God, do this. God, you promised that you would do the things that I ask in your name. But the, in your name is the alignment that you have with Jesus. Let not your hearts be troubled, verse 1 of chapter 14 of of John. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. And I wouldn't have told you that if it weren't true. The things I'm telling you are true. So what do you expect from God? When we pray and crave something more, I want us to pray with expectation, not out of responsibility. In our church, um, we have prayer requests that go out you know, a couple times a week. Somebody sends something in. When you pray those prayers, when it hits your inbox, what does that sound like? How does that that, that come out of your mouth? I want you to wrestle with that. Are you praying with expectation because you want to be aligned with the Spirit of God? Are you praying with power and authority? Because I believe there's something more. We can pray better. It's a horrible way to say it. It really is It's a horrible way to say it. I want us to be craving something more. Now, I'm going to ask us to move into, like, this kind of large block of of worship time with communion, the prayer wall, expectation wall. I want this all to work together. I don't know how that will go. I have no idea. So what we're going to do (laughs) is I'm I'm going to talk about communion for a second. And then I want to give you freedom to come take communion, to come write your expectations on, on on the wall because I want that. If you want to add anything to the, to the what prayer means, there's a sharpie right there. I'm just gonna create. I want to create like some space. It's twelve oh five. We're and we'll just leave it open and you come take communion as families. Write on the wall. Hannah's gonna be playing. Um, And it's just going to be kind of like a a worship space. Um, So the Lord, on that Passover night, when he installed communion, He said, This is my body broken for you. Every time you get together and eat, remember me. This is the cup of the new covenant, my blood shed for you. Every time you get together, take and drink in remembrance of me. When he is doing this activity with his disciples, the ones he loved, the ones he's been teaching for multiple years. What do you think? he thought they expected to happen. We can only imagine, right? Like we can, we can think about it and we can, we can project our thoughts or like just even from our own human condition, like we can think about, okay, Jesus was doing this particular thing. We've got 2,000 years of history to understand what communion is all about. But he's laying this out in front of them knowing that this is going to be the hardest week of his life. He gets on his hands and knees and washes his disciples' feet as a servant would and says, I'm surrendering before you. I'm washing your feet. I'm humbling myself as an act of love, as an act of service to you. This Passover I'm loving to celebrate with you. And here's my body. Here's my blood poured out from you as the, the disciples watch the, the remainder of that week, and, and they go and they watch Jesus be flogged and beaten and put a, a crown of thorns on, on his head and taken to the cross and murdered. What do you think they were expecting to happen? What did they expect? That morning the tombs rolled away and Jesus comes, comes before them. They don't recognize him. On the road to Emmaus, they're like, Who is this guy? He knows way too much about the scriptures. This is crazy. And he finally appears, and and truth hits them like a lightning bolt. And they're like, I did not expect that. That's not what I was looking for. What sort of shape did communion take after that point as they gathered together in the upper room, in churches across the Asia. What happened with communion? They got together and they remember, I'm going to prepare a place for you. There's many rooms in my father's house and I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. This table became an expectation of the movement of God. I'm going to take communion. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. Expecting God to send his son back to take us with him. I mean, that's an, this is a table of expectation. It's supposed to move us into a life of expectation to where when we go before the Lord, we ask and he will do it because we pray in power and authority. This became the rally cry of a church where all of the leaders would go to be martyred except for one who wrote that gospel. They were killed because they believed and expected God to do something. Isn't that crazy? As they went through the first century and healed people. And the Romans were like, what is going on? This isn't about Jesus anymore. This is just Peter healing people. This is just, I mean, these are, just, these are regular guys doing greater works because the Spirit of God is dwelling in them. This is became a table of expectation. Every time we get together, remind us of the power and authority over the grave that Jesus had. He gave us and installed this activity of communing with one another so we could be reminded of His authority over all of creation. And we get to pray and ask Him to do things for His glory, not for ours, not for our outcome, but for his glory.